Hi everyone, I'm Tavin Nasir, and this is Leadership Biz Cafe, a podcast that explores some of the challenges and opportunities leaders face in today's increasingly complex, faster-paced, and interconnected global market. Leadership Biz Cafe is brought to you by Tanvir Nasir Leadership, our leadership firm that provides leadership keynotes, corporate trainings, and consulting services that will help you to improve the way you lead. To learn more about our services and some of the organizations we've had the pleasure to work with, visit our company's website at tavernasir.com. And while you're there, check out our award-winning, internationally acclaimed leadership blog as well. And now, let's meet my guest for this episode, Dr. Ryan Gottfredson. Our mindsets are the mental lenses that we wear that shape how we view the world. And depending upon how we view the world, that's gonna shape how we think about it, how we learn within it, and how we behave in our world. Most of us have read or heard about the importance our mindset plays in terms of how effective we are at leading. And yet how many of us are really aware of just how much influence our mindset has, not only on the way we think, but also on our behavior and our ability to learn. And given that awareness, what should we be focusing more on? And what should we be avoiding in terms of our mindset if we are to be successful in leading others? That's what I'll be exploring with my guest for this episode, Dr. Ryan Gottfredson. Ryan is a mental success coach, leadership development consultant, and researcher. He is also a leadership professor at the College of Business and Economics at California State University. Ryan is the author of Success Mindsets, the key to unlocking greater success in your life, work, and leadership, which is what Ryan and I will be talking about today. Hi, Ryan. Welcome to the Leadership Biz Cafe. Hey, thanks for having me on. So, Ryan, the premise of your book is that if we want to achieve our full potential and succeed as leaders, we need to become more aware of how some of the ways we think about the people we lead in the world around us is actually doing us, and by extension, our employees, a disservice. Now, before we discuss the different mindsets you describe in your book and the value leaders can gain when they tap into them, I think it would be helpful for our listeners if you could share a brief overview of what mindsets are. Certainly, we've all heard about them, but I I think it will be helpful for our discussion today if we have a common reference point of what it is we're going to be talking about in this episode. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for the invitation, because I think many people, when they think about mindsets, is it's I, I think everybody values the idea of mindsets. But at the same time, I think most people kind of think of mindsets as being this fluffy, maybe even ethereal concept, almost akin to you've got to have a good attitude. And the reality is that our mindsets are so much more than that. So I'm going I'm to answer your question on two different levels. So on one level, our mindsets are the mental lenses that we wear that shape how we view the world. And depending upon how we view the world, that's going to shape how we think about it, how we learn within it, and how we behave in our world. But to kind of make this come to life, let me drill down to a deeper level. Our mindsets are actually what is called long-range neural connections in our brain. So we've got three different regions of the brain, our reptilian brain, our mammalian brain, and our human brain. And our mindsets are specific neural connections, 
and they're only a small subset of the total neural connections our brain has, uh, that these are unique because they span across all three major brain regions. And because of that, they actually serve as the circuit board for our brain. And, and they, in doing so, they play three primary roles. One is they filter in certain information. Two, they interpret that information, such as, let's just say, uh, failure. Do we see failure as being good or bad? Or constructive criticism. Do we see that as good or bad? Well, that's our mindset that actually dictates that and usually at a non-conscious level. And so depending upon the information we take in and how we interpret it, that's going to activate different elements about ourselves so that we can navigate that situation based upon how we're seeing and reading our environments. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's such an important and often overlooked aspect that you're bringing up here, Ryan, of how our existing mindsets can really be more of a disadvantage to our leadership and our ability to succeed than we might realize. Since, as you point out, our mindsets not only affect our thinking, but they also drive our learning behavior as well. In fact, I think this is why we're seeing so many challenges arising in finding common ground and what drives the creation of silos in many organizations is how our brains convince us that our current way of thinking is the best. And consequently, we tend to disregard anything that runs counter to that. And perhaps the scariest part is how so much of what drives us to think this way, as you just said, happens unconsciously. Of course, as with most things, once we become aware of something not working at its best, we now have created an opportunity for us to do something about that. And the encouraging thing that I found in your book is how a simple shift in our mindset can actually lead to positive, tangible change. In fact, there were several studies you pointed out in your book where simply getting participants to make a subtle shift in their mindsets over how they perceived the situation or conditions actually led to this tangible, positive change in their behavior and outlook. So with this in mind, Ryan, how about we dive into the heart of your book where you describe how there are these four sets of mindsets, each featuring a negative and positive perspective. So before we talk about them individually, could you just briefly describe what are these four sets of mindsets? Yes, for sure. So, and maybe just to summarize what we've really said up until now is that our mindsets are truly foundational to everything that we do. And, and when I go and I work with groups or speak to audiences, I'll ask them what mindsets are out there and what mindsets do you need to have? And there's very few people that could give me any sort of a specific answer. I mean, most people answer by saying a positive mindset, but, but what is a positive mindset? And so it really helps to have labels for our mindsets because it's only until that we, we have a label that we can then introspect about them. And so I think that there's a lot of power here. So I focus on four different sets of mindsets. These aren't the only mindsets that are out there, but these are the four sets of mindsets that have received really 30 plus years of academic research demonstrating that they do influence how we think, how we learn, and how we behave. And so these sets of mindsets aren't my ideas. The only really value that I've provided is I've just brought them in together into one framework because they span across psychology, education, management, and marketing. So each of these sets of mindsets um, and what research has found is that there's a negative side to the continuum. In other words, one, one set of mindsets on the negative side 
that will lead to more negative results. Whereas on the other side of the continuum, there's a positive mindset that will generally lead to much more positive results. And so it's important, we're gonna be talking about these almost in terms of uh, that there it's, it's a dichotomy. It's either, for example, fixed or growth, but the reality is it's a continuum. And our mindsets fall somewhere along each of these continuums. So the four sets of mindsets that I focus on, and just in terms of their labels, are fixed and growth, with growth being positive, closed and open, with open being more positive, prevention and promotion, with promotion being more positive, and inward and outward. Uh, so fixed is this desire to look good. Closed is the desire to be right. Prevention is the desire to avoid problems. And inward is the desire to get ahead. And so, Ryan, now that you've shared this description of these four sets of mindsets, I'd like to examine them more detail with you, starting with the one that most of us have probably heard about and think of when we think about mindsets, namely growth mindsets. Now, I think everyone who's listening to our conversation today can appreciate the importance of growth mindsets, an idea that was pioneered and made popular by Dr. Carol Dweck. After all, the reason they listen to my podcast is to learn how to improve the way they lead. And certainly with the faster pace of change that many of us have to operate within, there's little doubt that most leaders value the importance of learning and growth, both for themselves and their employees. And yet we've all experienced working for that leader who relishes maintaining the status quo, that this is the way things are done around here, and not willing to hear the ideas or insights from employees that can improve the way their organization operates. And as you point out in your book, this attitude comes from having that fixed mindset where we're more focused on how we're perceived as leaders than on whether we're embracing opportunities that challenge us to truly stretch and grow. And what creates this difference in mindset is how we honestly view failure. Namely, do we really welcome failure to help us learn where our current limitations are and what we need to work on? Or do we see it as something that weakens our status as a leader and why others should follow us? So. With this in mind, Ryan, how can we develop a growth mindset and perhaps even strengthen one? Again, pulling in that notion that we're not talking about a binary situation, but really a spectrum in terms of these two types of mindsets. Yeah, it's a great question. And let me just give you an example that makes this come to life. So, um, and the examples with Microsoft, and I like the example of Microsoft because many people are aware of Microsoft. So under uh, under their previous CEOs, uh, Steve Ballmer, they had a very competitive culture. And it was, it was one that was fueled of, we must look good, we must outperform, uh, you've got to be the smartest per person in the room. And, and what this did is it drove a culture of, it's more important for me to look good than to learn and grow. In other words, we're not going to take on projects where we're not very certain of its success. Because why would I take on a project that fails if I, because if I fail, I'm not gonna get the next promotion. So nobody has this incentive to, or this safety to be innovative. But as Satya Nadella has come in in 2014, the, the change in Microsoft has been monumental. I mean, their stock price and market capitalization has more than quadrupled in the last six years. I mean, it's just unreal. And, and to give you a sense of the difference in the culture is pretty early on into Satya Nadella's tenure, they were working on a, uh, an AI product whose the name of it was Tay, T-A-Y. 
and and they put it out there into the marketplace and the it was meant to have kind of discussions with people and all of a sudden people set up these bots to throw at it all this kind of bigoted language and it, because it was uh, you know a, a quick learning ai bot it picked up this bigoted language and started spewing it back out and and so what really what the marketplace was doing is testing its limit, limits and our vulnerability and at the time it was a huge pr nightmare for microsoft i mean this is the epitome of looking bad in the marketplace and the amazing thing was how Satya Nadella responded to it. Is he responded back to the leaders of this group and said, man, thank you for going out on a limb and developing this project. We now know that it's not yet there, but I believe in you that you can get it there. What a great learning opportunity. I mean, that, that type of a reaction to such a, a big PR nightmare would have never happened under Steve Ballmer. But under Satya Nadella, that happened. And how, and how do you think you feel if you're one of these people who are leading this project? Is now it's, oh my goodness. It, I mean, at, at first you're probably scared for your job, but then after receiving this email, you're thinking, what? Yeah, we are going to learn. We are going to get better. And, and so that's the type of mentality that Satya Nadella has brought uh, to Microsoft and maybe just even to build off of this in terms of how do we go about shifting our mindsets? Well, one, we've got to learn about them. It's really helpful to, to just learn about them. But two, we've got to create regular interactions that activate our, in this instance, our growth-minded neural connections. So at Microsoft, some of the things that they did is they put the Chinese symbol for learning in all of their elevators. They put on each of their employees' name tags from know-it-all to learn-it-all. And then they would, they would do kind of different workshops uh, about the things that they have learned recently. And at the end of their meetings, they would, they would have them ask, was this a fixed-minded meeting or a growth-minded meeting? So it was just through, the, through all of these small interventions is what's led to a much larger change in their culture to become more growth-minded. So uh, hopefully that, that example just brings your questions to life. Do you feel like we missed anything there? No, in fact, I think you also actually opened the door for us to discuss the next mindset I want to talk with you, which is the closed and open mindset, where a closed mindset as being that need that we have to be seen as right, while an open mindset is more about wanting to seek the truth, that we understand we might not completely understand a situation as such. We seek information or insights that can both fill in the blanks as well as expose any perceptual blind spots we might not be aware of. And this example you just shared perfectly illustrates that. But I still want us to discuss it because I think we all understand why having a closed mindset runs counter to our ability to learn and grow. And yet, in your example, you did demonstrate how under Steve Ballmer's leadership, it was really more focused on everyone proving, like you said, that they are know it alls as opposed to learn it alls. So, what causes some leaders to inadvertently develop a closed mindset and how can they turn the ship around and become more open-minded in the way they lead? What would that kind of transformation look like? Yeah, great question. So I think part of it is leaders, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, um, but I, I think that leaders generally see themselves as the expert. Um, and 
I mean, they might, they may not be in their leadership position if they're not the expert. And, but, and so to make these two mindsets come to life, I think it's helpful to use an analogy of a bucket. I mean, and, and to preface this analogy, we can ask ourselves the question, what would lead somebody to ever be close to the ideas and the suggestions of others? And I think at a fundamental level, in order for us to be close to somebody else's ideas and suggestions, we've got to believe that what we know is better than what they know. And, and to use the bucket analogy, what that means is if we've got a bucket that represents our knowledge, we believe that our bucket is full. And if we believe that our bucket is full, so in other words, we know what is best, then what happens if, we, if somebody tries to pour something into a full bucket? Well, nothing gets absorbed. Everything runs off the side. And so that's, that's kind of the epitome of a closed mindset, is just believing that our bucket is full. But if we, if we could take an open mindset perspective, which is we could have a lot in our bucket, but if we can just leave room for the idea that we can be wrong, then we become willing to take in different ideas and suggestions. And so at the end of the day, when we, when we believe our bucket is full and have this closed mindset, we want to be seen as being right. But if we believe that we can be wrong, leaving some room in our bucket, we don't care about being right. We care about finding truth and thinking optimally. And so what we've got to do to make that shift is, is a little bit of humility, but then really what we've got to, and I love the book Principles by Ray Dalio, and he talks about we need to become aware of our blind spots, in particular, our ego blind spot um, as being one of the most foundational to that, but then also kind of our expertise blind spots is we may just assume we know enough but that may not be enough. Uh, and so if we could just always have this assumption that we can be wrong, we're going to be much more inclined to exploring um, new ideas and different ideas. Absolutely. Okay, Ryan. So let's now look at the next set of mindsets, the one where we're looking at promotion versus prevention mindsets. Now, on the surface, one would think there is an argument here to be made that for some leaders, having a prevention mindset is actually beneficial. For example, in my work with leaders in the pharmaceutical industry, it's natural to find leaders who have that prevention mindset in that their focus is on ensuring they prevent mishaps that can be costly, both in terms of current sales, but also in terms of public trust in their drug portfolio. So in this case, What's the value add we gain from shifting more towards a promotion mindset over a prevention one? Yeah, and that's you bring up a great example because with anything we can do, we can take a prevention mindset towards it, meaning a focus on avoiding problems, or we could take a promotion mindset towards it, meaning we're, we're seeking to reach goals. So if you look at a pharmaceutical company, is where is the primary focus? Is it on avoiding side effects and maybe PR issues associated with those? Or is it on adding value and to our, of the patients, the people who will take these drugs? And, and if, we, if, if our focus becomes more on avoiding problems than on our fulfilling our purpose, then that's going to hinder us. So let me give you an example of this. And it comes from a consulting company I used to work with. This consulting company I used to work with was at one point in time in, in 
I would say the early 2000s at the cutting edge of HR thought. It was, they were the go-to expert. And so when I joined them about five years ago to go work for them, and I worked for them about a year, I was really excited because I still saw them as this cutting edge company. And I got in there and I found that it just wasn't as cutting edge as I had thought. What I had found and what the consulting, is that what the consulting company had learned and, and the, there's a lot of data. It's a very data-driven company in terms of adding value to its customers. Is the consulting company had learned that if they had, let's just say, a typo on their PowerPoint slides with all of these numbers, it would lead the leaders of the organization they're working with to question all of the numbers in the slides. Right? And that's, uh, I, I think that was a little bit of an overreaction, but there was some truth to that. And so what had happened with this consulting company is, is over time, the consulting company came, became more and more with making sure that they got the data right than they did about adding value to the customer. And so what this meant when I entered into the company is in order for a slide deck to be shown in front of a client, it needed to be triple checked by, by three different people. And well, if that's going on, how slow is the process to provide this information? So what that meant is we, were provide, we would collect data, let's just say in January, but it would oftentimes be May or June before we even gave them any feedback because we were, we were doing so much triple checking of the work. And over time, this slowness led to the consulting company losing clients. And because they were so focused on everything being perfect, they were really slow to market with any new products. So over time, they've, they've kind of slumped back into the mediocre kind of in terms of relevance consulting companies. Uh, and, and so what had just happened is at one point in time, they had been promotion minded. And because they became so focused on avoiding problems, because we hate problems, right? Uh, then they naturally slip back into this prevention mindset, which was hindering them in terms of being this innovative and cutting edge company. You know, Ryan, I really appreciate the point you make in your book about how having a promotion mindset is critical to our willingness to learn because real learning requires us to step outside of ourselves and what we view as our sphere of expertise in order to explore what is unknown and unfamiliar to us. And your example, it really reflects that where it's really like holding on to what we perceive as being our sphere of expertise and staying within that, as opposed to saying, where are the opportunities that holding true to our sense of purpose allows us to create even more value for those that we serve? And actually, this is creating almost, I just realized, a nice segue for the fourth mindset, those of outward and inward mindsets, because in many ways, this last set of mindsets is like an umbrella covering the previous three sets of mindsets we discussed, since ultimately our ability to grow, our ability to have an open mind, and our ability to learn and embrace failure and to, as I said, move outside of our sphere of expertise and to see where those opportunities for us to continue to create value really comes from seeing beyond ourselves to the impact we have on others and the impact they have on us. Now, again, as leaders, it's easy for us to imagine we have an outward mindset as our job entails obtaining the best efforts from those we lead. But there's a fantastic question you share from Brenny Brown that gets to the heart of ascertaining whether we do in fact have that outward mindset. And it's this question she poses, 
do you think that in general people are doing the best they can? And I love Ryan that you and I have been saying that through our experiences, we do find that leaders are trying the best they can. And yet here in discussing these two types of mindsets, the outward and inward mindset, the challenge here is that many leaders don't view their employees as doing the best they can. So could you delve into this a little bit more and how can this help leaders ascertain whether they are in fact leading from an outward mindset as opposed to an inward one where the focus of their efforts is really on themselves? Yeah. Uh, so, and unfortunate uh, that I live in Southern California and the weather has been great recently. And so this last Sunday, I went out uh, boogie boarding with one of my friends. So we're, we went out and we hit the waves and we were chatting and he's a, he's a, 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 a regional manager in his company. And he had just gotten back his employee engagement data. And he's been in this position for about six months, uh, maybe about nine months. And and he's about one of seven on his team uh, of these different divisional managers that span Southern California. And his, his engagement numbers in terms of the employees below him was the worst out of the group. And so we were talking about this. And one of the things that seemed really clear, I mean, I guess I, I asked him, I said, how did your manager, what did your manager say after he saw your results? And he essentially summarized that his manager said, these results aren't going to work. You've got to step up your game. And, and which is which is great, but there's also this implication there, which is an or else that was unsaid, right? So if we kind of put ourselves in in this manager's position, and even how how my friend feels is do does it seem like this manager sees him as as doing the best that he can? And I think. The clear answer is no, because if he was doing his best, he would have better numbers. That's, that's kind of the approach. And, and when we, what really the message that he's sending to this, to my friend is, we don't necessarily care about you, we care about your numbers. And there could be a completely different approach that could be taken here, which is, let's say, okay, I get my numbers back, it's not very good, my manager comes to me and says, hey, your numbers are the lowest on the team. What's wrong? How can I be supportive to you? Right? It's, it's a, I'm assuming you're doing your best, but something is getting in the way. Something is preventing you from having better numbers. And that's the approach. And so depending upon how we see others as not doing their best versus doing their best will shape whether or not we are critical of them or whether or not we are empathetic of them. And depending upon whether we're critical or empathetic, well, that's surely going to shape how we behave. Because if we're critical, we're going to start to use more organizational power, like kind of reprimanding or else. But if we're empathetic, we're going to use much more personal power, which is, let me help you out. Let me, let's, let's see how we can remove some barriers or obstacles that will allow you to be more effective with what you're doing. 
You know, Ryan, at a time where it seems in so many countries and parts of the world, we're so focused on creating these arbitrary divisions between people where we're falling into that neurological trap our brain uses because it's a cognitive miser of categorizing people as being either in our in-group or in an out-group. This is really an important message for leaders to not only exhibit, but to regularly reinforce as being key to our collective ability to succeed and thrive. So thanks for the fascinating conversation, Ryan, and for helping to shed some light on these different sets of mindsets and which ones we should be gravitating to if we truly want to live up to our real potential, not just as leaders, but as human beings. No, and I appreciate the opportunity to be on it. And I hope what it does for those of you who are listening in and because it's done this for me is when we when we now have labels to these and now becomes something that we can introspect about. And so I hope this invites you to do the same. And in fact, I, if it's okay, if I uh, mention this is I've, I've got a free mindset assessment on my website at ryangotfordson.com. And I've had over 11,000 people take this mindset assessment to help them identify where on the continuums of each of these four sets of mindsets do they fall relative to these 11,000 plus other people. And, and hopefully that's a tool that provides some objectivity to one's introspective deep dive. Well, thanks for sharing that offer with my listeners, Ryan. And thanks again for the thoughtful conversation. Yeah, for sure. This has been great. Thanks for having me. So if you'd like to learn more about Ryan's book, as well as get a link to that free online assessment tool he mentioned, Check out the show notes for this episode by visiting our podcast page at tavernasir.com. And that brings us to the end of this episode of Leadership Biz Cafe, brought to you by Tavernasir Leadership. If you've been enjoying the insights and ideas being shared here on my podcast and would be interested in having me share them with your employees by addressing the specific issues that are top of mind for you and your organization, I'd like to invite you to fill out the contact form on our website at tavernasir.com so we can start that discussion. And if you've been enjoying my leadership podcast, I'd appreciate it if you could help support this show by helping to spread the word about this podcast. The easiest way to do this is to simply share a link to my show's podcast page at tavernasir.com slash LBC. And while you're at it, I'd be grateful if you could also rate and review my leadership podcast on your preferred podcast platform. And with that, I'm Tanvir Nasir, and you've been listening to Leadership Biz Cafe.